My name is John Machado, and this is the Gunpowder Plot Show, also known as the Guy Fox Podcast. I hope you had a blessed Easter Sunday and weekend. Um, Easter is the most important Christian holiday. Uh, it's the point. Christ rose from the dead on Easter. Um, you know, you had Good Friday, which is more of like a somber day because that's the day that Christ uh, was uh, scourged. And if you know anything about that, it's pretty bad. Uh, Christ was scourged, crucified, and then gave up his spirit and died and then spent the next three full technical days uh, dead. Technical? Three days dead. And then came back on the third day uh, in accordance with the scriptures. It's, uh, it's super interesting reading through the Old Testament prophetic books and seeing um, certainly all of the uh, the texts that Christ had re uh, referenced um, throughout the four canonical books of Isaiah, of um, I think Ezekiel, because there's a couple. There's Isaiah. There's Ezekiel. I just finished uh, Daniel. I think he did talk. He did reference Daniel. Um, and one or two others. There's always one that I can't remember. It's like Benjamin or something. Um, but it's just, it's, it's super interesting to read through that and to see, you know, the, the exact text that, that Christ was referring to. So, um, but anyway, uh, there, and, and I would say that there's plenty of other texts that Christ could have referred to in, um, talking about himself. So, um, but yeah, so he dies on Friday, uh, spends the next three days, and then on Easter Sunday, uh, comes back to life. Now, um, I think I've talked about this before, but just to address it real quick, the bunny and the egg are symbols of fertility to or for or from uh, the pagan gods. Uh, this was a part of the uh, conversion or um, keeping converts converted. <laughs> I can't think of what that term would be, but um, yeah, that was a part of it. That was the adoption, the uh, traditions adopted by uh, Catholics in order to keep uh, people converted. Um, because, as I've mentioned before, uh, think about now. Let's say that all of a sudden, you know, a foreign invading force came in and they. Uh, prevented you from practicing your faith. Uh, come December twenty fifth, you're gonna you're gonna remember some stuff, right? Let's say you even you know they forced you to to convert to a different belief. You know, there's gonna be a lot of people that fall off around December twenty fifth and and around certain holidays like Easter um, that you remember and, and have you know good memories around and things of that nature. Funny enough. Uh, that's the that was the the problem around December 25th when it came to Christianity because uh, that was the time for the winter solstice in which uh, a lot of converts reverted back to their old faiths. So the uh, Catholic faith decided, all right, or the Catholic leaders decided, okay, you know what? As long as they're not worshiping these things, um, it's no real big deal to us. Uh, let's adopt some of these uh, time frames and um, traditions. Uh, bring them in and make them Christian. Bingo, bango. Now, 
obviously people that detest Christianity would look at that and say, oh, you stole it. Interesting how stealing something that somebody can still practice uh, is stealing to them. Uh, and yet, you know, the United States of America, they're literally trying to steal from those uh, who founded it. Yes, I understand some of them were deist, but overwhelmingly they were Christian. And, uh, and apparently that's not doing to them. So anyway, um, back to it. Easter, uh, man, you know what? Watch the Passion of the Christ. Just watch it. Whether or not you believe, who cares? Watch it, and you'll see why Christians um, have such faith, at least to a certain degree. I remember having a debate with my one buddy who's a staunch liberal and uh, pretty anti-religion altogether, but as most most liberal atheists go, um, you know, they're only pissed off at the Christians, and they seemingly don't don't give a hoot about uh, any other religion. But uh, I remember him, ne he never watched the movie, but you know, he knew Mel Gibson was a Catholic. He knew that, uh, you know, what the story for the most part was about, which was basically to him just Jesus, and that it was about Jesus dying. And there was a lot of rumors going around at that time that um, it was anti-Semitic because it showed how the Jews um, killed Jesus, and it's like, you're missing the total point in all of this. Um, watch it, you know, you gotta watch it. Uh, there's a, there's a reason that it was, um, called, well, one, it's, it's called The Passion of the Christ, it's not just the title of the movie, um, but it was to show you, you know, what he was willing to go through. You have sin that entered the world, and I think I've said this wrong in the past, um, rereading, I think it was Daniel where Gabriel told Daniel uh, that that sin entered the world through Lucifer. And this is something that I'd always kind of, I don't know if it's necessarily wrestled with, but noticed and pondered uh, because you've heard people say that, you know, um, Adam and Eve, you know, eating of the forbidden fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil was the original sin that brought evil into the world. Well, yeah, but there was sin that happened before that. There was evil that happened before that. And uh, like I just said, Gabriel in the book of Daniel, I believe it was Daniel, uh, in the book of Daniel told Daniel that evil actually came into this world through um, the sin of Lucifer and what he did. And, and I can't remember the exact phrasing, but that's when it really started. And it, and and evil and sin is just like, and I don't know, maybe, you know, there's a, an argument to be made about, you know, human sin and evil, but, you know, evil brings in death, right? That's what started uh, from, you know, the beginning of having this, essentially this utopia of, you know, not having um, all of this sin and pain in the world, but yet still being able to acquire all of the knowledge of the universe. And you got to think about it. This was kind of the dumb, the dumb thing on humans parts. Obviously, you know, uh, the only two around was Adam and Eve. They had the creator of the universe. They could have asked him any question, obtained any bit of knowledge and he would have given it to him. And yet, and that's, I mean, that's the whole point of like, don't go over here. I'm telling you, don't go over here. Um, you know, you come to me and we didn't, we decided, uh, you know, through a little nudging from 
the prince of lies, uh, that we would do it on our own. And that's the arrogance and the ignorance of uh, our race, of uh, human beings. So anyway, it's like opening a door, right? In, uh, in the middle of winter. When you open that door, everybody inside is going to feel the cold, whether or not you open the door. Um, and that's a lot to do with sin and now death, you know, somebody else, uh, started it and yet death affects everything in all of us. So, um, so anyway, uh, you know, the, the fall of man, uh, happened from obviously the interaction between the serpent and, uh, the first human beings. And so, uh, through sin, mind you. So... You have uh, Christ that came down um, in order to save all mankind. And he was innocent, half human, and, uh, you know, according to God's plan, that's what it took. A sinless human, half human, obviously, half God. I know people would call it a demigod, but it's not. Full God, full human. I know I was just saying half. All right, full God, full human, um, who came down to give himself up. If you listen to somebody like uh, uh, Serge Tankinen, the leader, lead singer of uh, System of a Down, Chop Suey, all of this interesting enough, Chop Suey was, I think, the first song I had ever played on the drums in front of other people, like my band, in front of like the four or five other people that I did. It was Chop Suey. Well, there's a part in, uh, in the breakdown uh, during Chop Suey where Serge repeats uh, the words that Christ said, which is, uh, Father, why have you forsaken me? Um, and he calls it a self-righteous suicide. Well, the difference here in the idea that it was a suicide was that God was laying himself down, uh, laying his life down in order to take it back up. It was not a self-righteous suicide as uh, Serge Tankinen would uh, like you to believe because well, you know, he's Armenian. You don't hear him talking too much shit about the people that tried to genocide his people in Islam. But, you know, he's, he's born in the United States. He's going to go after the Christians like a true twat. Um, but anyway, yeah, so Christ taught us a whole bunch of great stuff, gave us the best rules uh, and using the best logic in um, the, the two greatest commandments, which all the other commandments derive from. They're not brand new commandments. They're not different than the rest of the commandments. They're the commandments that all of the others uh, derive from, which is something I love to debate uh, John saying about, because he seems to think that Christ came out and gave us all brand new commandments that were different. And it's like, you fucking retard. Um, ooh, I'm in my... Where the fuck am I? I'm in my city, but I don't recognize it. So, um, oh yeah, so uh, the two greatest commandments. The greatest of all is to love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then the second is what we know as the golden rule, to love your neighbor as yourself. And all the other commandments come from that. And that's great shit to live by. Um, it's funny. If you remember that guy that I was debating, uh, the other, the other day, the new, the, uh, new debate, um, this fucker comes out on Easter. This is what you'll notice by these, these, these shitheads, the fruits of their labor. Um, 
fucking came out to shit talk Christ and Christians. He's got a big problem with, with seeing it as uh, he, he just thinks of collectives, right? Anybody that's not on his side is a Republican and Republicans don't uh, fall in line with Christ's teaching. And my response was like, you don't care. Like, why do you care about this? Well, because this is the case. And it's like, yeah, but you're a hypocrite too. Not only that, there's plenty of Democrats who claim to be Christian. Are you saying that they're in line with it? What, abortion? What, a man being a woman? Huh? Cheating on your spouse? Are you saying that all this shit? Uh, murdering people? You're saying that all this shit is in line with what Christ taught? And it's not that I'm trying to fucking necessarily to defend Republicans. And maybe that's my biggest problem with with liberal Democrats is that they 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 force me to have to defend uh, Republicans. But uh, it's like I know what he's trying to do. I see the hidden agenda or or attempted hidden agenda and what they do, which is you know fucking to to try and call out and group all all these people together uh, that they already don't like and uh, try to make some try to some kind of uh, straw man arguments in order to discredit uh, their perceived enemy. You know, it's what they fucking do. Uh, are you saying that your side doesn't do that? No, I'm pretty certain I've probably done that from time to time. But it's wrong, you know, for the most part. So anyway, Christ gave us some great teachings and then, um, you know, uh, started in, in, he prophesied his own death three different times. Pointed out that it was prophesied in the old book, uh, and then in the Old Testament uh, prophetic books and uh, gave a warning to his disciples as well as the crowd. You got to understand, Christ had a massive, massive following uh, wherever he went. I mean, he was performing miracles uh, quite often. This is like really the first time, I don't want to say necessarily the first time in history that you have more than one miracle performed, but he was performing miracles constantly. Uh, you know, if you read the Old Testament, it's very easy to, one, think of it as a book, which it's not. It's a, it's a library. It's made up of many different books. And it's another easy thing to do is to read it as if it's all, and it is linear, but to, to, to uh, read it as if all of these things happened at once, one after the other. You know, one chapter after another, as if it were like one day after the other, or one event after the other. It wasn't. You know, I mean, you got to think there was there's only a couple miracles performed uh, during the 40 years or even the lead up. Sorry, the lead up to the 40 years in the desert by the Jews when they, um, you know, when they what was it, after they, they did the, uh, the calf, I think it was. And then they had to spend 40 years searching around in the desert. Yeah. See what I mean? So that's a long, long time. There are generations that come about from that. So. You know, there's there's a lot of time, and, and in Christ's time, what was so incredible is how many miracles were being performed. You had people coming back from the dead before Christ. I know that the the skeptics and the the atheists uh, like to try and pick pick at that. You know, go, oh, well, Christ obviously wasn't the first one dead that came back. No, he raised a couple of people. He raised Lazarus. You know, raised another little girl, and I think there's one other. I think there was yeah, there was a boy coffin his mom his mom was a widow and her son had died and Christ came up and touched the coffin and uh, told the boy to rise so you know there's at least three cases of people rising from the dead before Christ did um, but you have that he was raising people from the dead he was he was giving this uh, the blind their sight 
He was giving the death, uh, the deaf, um, uh, hearing. He was healing people who were maimed and crippled. Um, he was walking on water. He was feeding uh, the five thousand with just two or with uh, seven loaves of bread and two fish. He he fed the four thousand uh, after that. Uh, fed four thousand with uh, you know five or seven loaves of of bread and a few fish. Um, and that's just men, not including the the women and children, which they did. So well over five thousand the first time, well over four thousand the next time. He gave uh, power and authority to. I don't think it was, I think the first time through, was it his disciples and then this, was there a second time? No matter, he sent off, um, he sent off his believers to go into other towns and essentially do the same thing and they came back saying, you know, the, the evil spirits are subject to us in the sense that they could tell them to leave the, the, uh, the people that they had, that they had, um, oh, what's it called when the demon gets inside you? Possessed uh, that they were subject to them and that they could uh, cure people and they could spread the good news. So you know there was teaching and healing and and miracles being performed um, quite often. You know from the age of what 30, 30 to thirty five, something to that effect. Um, and then you know when people thought you know and, and they they believed that he was uh, um, the Christ, the Messiah, uh, as well as God, because you have numerous times throughout each one of the four canonical canonical books, being Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, numerous times that people worshipped him, that people worshipped God. And I just read another verse, it was either today or yesterday, I think I'm in Luke, where um, Christ points out that the Jews only worship God, and yet Christ was worshipped throughout it. I'm kind of kind of alluding to the debate that I had a few years back uh, with the guy that, that tried to say that Christ wasn't God and uh, never stated that he was God and so therefore he wasn't God and I was on the arguing side that Christ was God and I certainly came out um, the victor in that and even more today uh, and I can tell you and you can read it yourself where there were numerous times even before he had uh, he had been crucified, died, and resurrected um, himself. Uh, Christ was being worshipped, and then uh, he was worshipped after that as well. So, uh, but yeah. Anyway, he uh, he is betrayed again. Uh, a prophecy fulfilled in uh, in Judas portraying or uh, uh, um, excuse me, uh, betraying him. So he's betrayed, which is terrible. He's taken um, in the middle of the night, <clears throat> excuse me, while he's praying to God and stating to him, um, you know, please, if you, if it, if it could be that the chalice is taken away from me, but not my will be done, your will be done. Now, people will also look at this and go, well, see, obviously he wasn't, he wasn't God. And it's like, no, he's God in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is what made St. Patrick... Uh, so popular in Ireland is that he showed him the shamrock, the three-leaf clover, of which there are three leaves, but it's one actual flower. Um, and so, and the same thing in all of us that I've pointed out time and time again, we're all made up of three different parts to our one whole person, our mind, body, and soul. 
right? Kind of in the same way. You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Trinity. Uh, and so, after he's done praying, he prays three times, he bleeds, uh, or he sweats blood. This is a real thing that can happen in times of extreme stress. Did you know that? I can't remember what the, I assume it's probably uh, hemo, um, oh, what's the word for sweating? It's probably hemo something, and then sweating, whatever the, the uh, Greek word for sweating is, because a, a lot of medical terms come from, from Greek, so it's probably hemo, ah, what is the name of that? Hemo something. Um, but yeah, so he sweated blood, and then, uh, and then they came. Judas came with the, the people that came and got him. Uh, took him off to Pontius Pilate, who, it's not that I'm trying to like take Pontius Pilate's side, but he tried numerous times not to, to just release him and pointed out to the Jews and the high priests, or more so the high priests than anyone, uh, that he, he didn't find anything wrong in him. He didn't find him any guilt in him, having done anything um, that deserved death. And the Jewish high priests uh, kept trying to stir up a, a riot. I don't know, kind of sounds familiar to, the, to today, right? Uh, they wouldn't take no for a fucking answer, uh, came up with anything that they possibly could, and then when, when um, they really got to it, they were just uh, falsely um, or, or, or pressuring him into uh, killing Jesus because they couldn't do it themselves because they had laws against it. So, um, you know, there's quite a few other things that have happened. Please read the four canonical books. I would love for you to. Also, I would say the best Catholic, or I'm sorry, the best um, uh, Bible to read is uh, the, is it the, I think it's the Augustine Catholic Bible. Remember, all forms, all denominations of Christianity came from Catholicism. Whether you want to believe in Catholicism or not, and this isn't like an insult, this isn't me trying to lord anything over you. This is how I came to be Catholic. Okay? I, I looked at everything and I said, all right, where did all of this come from? All right, that's what I'm going to go with. And so, being that all denominations first came from Catholicism, the Bible came from Catholicism. Why would you want to take... This is my biggest problem with, with Protestants. And it's not that I'm like, try, again, I'm not trying to shit on them. It's just, this is my biggest issue. Why would you want to take a book that after the Reformation, the, Pro, the Protestant Reformation, then went on to say, we know better and we're going to remove 11, I think it's 11 books out of the Bible and not read those anymore. And yet the Catholic Bible has always stood strong and saying, nope, this is what it is. Like, why would you, why would you, I, I just, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So, I would suggest, even if you're not Catholic, that you read the Catholic Bible. Uh, in, in this case, I think it's Augustine. It starts with an, an A. I'm fairly certain it's Augustine. Um, that, and it's far different than the St. Joseph edition uh, Catholic Bible. Uh, you could just read each, like almost any page, read read both, and, and there's some, some some differences. So, anyway, I would say read the Augustine um, and uh, read the four canonical books first first right away. Excuse me. So uh, there's a lot of other things that had happened, but uh, Christ was essentially scourged, 
right? He was taken off and he was beaten first with uh, like bamboo rock, like sticks uh, to, I guess, tender him up. And then uh, they took these, I guess you could call them whips. And there were these, it was a handle and then tied onto that handle were these uh, pieces of like leather or s strings or like leather strings, I guess. And then at the end of those were like metal pieces. And when they would hit, now I've heard people describe it in all sorts of different ways. Again, watch The Passion of the Christ. It's, a, it's the closest depiction of what reality looked like for Jesus when he was getting scourged. Um, and it would just tear your flesh to shreds. Jesus was beat within an inch of his life. And, um, and there was a, a, a rule to live, to, to operate this from, which was when they look close to death, as in they're going to collapse, uh, then you stop and that's a scourging. And, uh, and then that happened and he went and essentially to rest up, was taken down to where the, the Roman soldiers were, who then mocked him, spit on him. They put a, a purple robe on him and that's where you get... Uh, the point where they, they made a crown of thorns and put it on his head and then took a um, the thing that he would use is, what's that stupid staff that, they, that kings hold on to? They, they formed or they took a stick and basically called, called it that, like a staff or whatever, and then beat him over, over the head with it um, and mocked him, mocked worshiping him. And then when all that was said and done, when it was time for him to uh, be crucified, they uh, had him walk his own cross, which he mentions prior to this. Again, prophecy. Walks his own cross, cross all the way up to where they're going to crucify him. They crucify him. Um, he, while having his nails, or I'm sorry, his, his hands and his feet. Now, this is another kind of point of contention. He was uh, nailed in his wrists, not his hands. Uh, there's, and I've, I've even seen skeptics like Sam Harris, right? Liberal leftist atheist skeptics like Sam Harris, who try to scoff at, uh, um, you know, this one of like this being one of the exact things that they try to do, um, or, or topics that they talk about where they say, oh, well, you know, even you say that it was in his hands and he wouldn't have been able to support his body if he was, if he had nails go through his hands. Well, this is almost 2,000 years before the discovery of anatomy and physiology, where we have definitive terms of what is a hand and what is a forearm. Back in those days, a hand was from the tip of your tallest finger, which would have been your middle finger, all the way down to your elbow. That was a hand. And they, they, they conveniently leave out this part when, when arguing that. Just like when in the Bible, They'll talk about, they'll essentially call a whale a fish. Well, a fish was anything that swam in the sea. We didn't have modern day science back then that everybody agreed on in a definitive manner of what a mammal as, as in a whale or a dolphin uh, were as opposed to, you know, a fucking octopus, uh, an octopus or a, uh, a lobster or a shrimp or, an, or just a flat out fish. You know what I mean? Everything was fish. An octopus was a fish. Uh, uh, a crab was a fish. If it was in the sea, it was a fish. So, you know, the skeptics can uh, can uh, conveniently go fuck themselves. 
Um, so anyway, uh, he was nailed to the cross while having that happen. He had uh, called out to his father and said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because had they realized that they were actually crucifying God, do you think they'd be doing it? I don't either. So, uh, you know, it just goes to show you that Christ lived what he preached for sure because he was God. Um, they hung him up. He had uh, two thieves. He was in the middle of two thieves. One ridiculed him along with the rest of the crowd and the Roman soldiers. So the high priests, while another uh, called out the other thief and said that we deserve what we're getting, but he's an innocent man and you should watch your tongue. And then he looked to Christ and he said, please bring me into your kingdom at the end of this. In which Christ stated that you would be, you'll be in paradise with me today. After so long, uh, Christ did say, uh, Father, what was it? Father, Father, why, why has thou forsaken me? Christ wasn't saying this to God. It wasn't like he was looking up at God going, why did you forsake me? Why did you leave me? This actually comes from a specific psalm of David from back in the day. So he's, again, referencing scriptural text. Scriptural. Scripture. Scripture. He's referencing scripture, specifically psalms of David. So, uh, and then he said one other thing, and then he gave up. He said, uh, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit, as in I command my spirit to go into your hands, as in he, uh, he, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He uh, commanded his soul to impart or uh, embark uh, onto the next world. And then uh, once his soul left his body, obviously he's dead. At this point, um, what always happened was they didn't want these guys rotting for all days or whatever, and you could be crucified and still survive for quite some time. They would break your legs so that essentially you couldn't support your body, and uh, just by the cruciform, your fluids would fill up in your lungs and you would suffocate. You would you would drown essentially, um, and so. Uh, because there was still a crowd who wanted to leave, they uh, brought out the hammer, broke the first thief's legs, then the second thief's legs, and when they came to Christ, he was already dead, which is why they stuck the uh, spear into his side to make sure that he was dead. This actually fulfills another prophecy, which states that he will never have a broken bone. Uh, pretty specific, right? As many of these prophecies are. Pretty specific. Um, so when they stab him in the side, the spear did not kill him. That's a massive uh, uh, bit of information because there's a lot of people out there that call um, this the tip of that spear the spear of destiny and state that it killed Christ. It did not kill Christ. It may have his blood on it, but it didn't kill him. Uh, when they took the spear out, out already poured blood and water, which is another uh, medical thing. I can't remember exactly how to break that down. Uh, but it shows that the person is now dead. And then uh, Joseph of Arimathea, after Christ had died, asked for Christ's body. He was a follower. He was also one of the high priests who did not condemn Jesus to die by way of the council. Um, he went up to Pontius Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pontius Pilate gave it to him. He was shocked that Jesus was already dead. Um, when Christ died, by the way, uh, you have rocks, massive rocks splitting in half as well as the uh, fuck, what is it? The curtain in the temple that split from top to bottom at that time. Uh, 
So anyway, uh, Joseph of Arimathea already had a, a uh, tomb hewn, a brand new tomb hewn out of the rock. And uh, not, not these rocks, but in a different location uh, for a tomb. And he went up and he asked for uh, Jesus' body from Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate agreed to it. So then therefore Joseph of Arimathea uh, got it, wrapped it, and laid it in the new rock hewn tomb. Uh, Mary Magdalene, and there was another Mary, it wasn't his mother, uh, saw where he was laid. This is important because you have a lot of skeptics who try to state that maybe, um, you know, they went to the wrong tomb and that's why they thought it was empty and yada, yada, yada. That wasn't the case in a, not even fucking close. Uh, they knew where his body was, especially Mary Magdalene and this other Mary. I think it was the mother of Hoses or Jose or Joses, something like that. Um, so they knew where it was uh, after three days because it was uh, it was the Passover, right? So they couldn't do anything. So uh, oh, and, and not only that, but the the uh, high priests knew what could come about from uh, Christ, who had said that he would be alive in three days, knew what would happen. So he they went to Pontius Pilate, asked for extra guards to guard the 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 uh, tomb asked for the rock to be rolled in front of the tomb and for it to be sealed up of which all of that happened there was a rock rolled in front of the tomb it was sealed and there was extra guards that were put on duty to watch over it uh so you know mary magdalene mary the mother of hoses um as well as uh, quite a few others knew where this tomb was or at least those two in specific knew right where it was uh i have to assume the apostles did too excuse me so three days later, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Hoses were kind of gum, were going to come back to perform like some ritual cleansing of his body or whatever. Um, and when they came back, they noticed that the soldiers were knocked out, like out cold, um, and that the stone was rolled away and the body was gone. Ooh, okay, interesting. Um, and then they stated that uh, they saw some angels. And uh, the angels told them that uh, Christ was risen, like he had said he was going to be, and uh, that he would meet him in Galilee. So they ran back, and this is coming from women. Back in those days, hey, hey, uh, uh, feminists, if you think you got it bad now, shit, back in those days, you didn't believe chicks. Maybe they were onto something. <laughs> but so they ran back and they told the apostles, uh, because they knew where the apostles were, who were in hiding. They just killed your leader. What the fuck? And not only that, you know, this comes into play where, um, you know, Pope Francis, this is certainly a, a spot that I'm going to not only defend, but also critique a bit. When Pope Francis came to the United States, he talked about this. He said, humanly speaking, Christ dying on the cross was a human failure. What he's talking about in this is that according to humans, especially the 12 disciples, or at least now the, the remaining 11, Judas, by the way, tried to kill himself. I can't remember if he succeeded. But Christ did point out, like, it would have been better for you to never have been born because you're going to betray the, you're going to betray God in like the way where God gets tortured and, and dies at the end. You better go fucking run. So, um... So anyway, uh, yeah, according to those 11 remaining disciples, they were pretty fucking bent out of shape. Christ just died. That wasn't how it was supposed to go for them, or at least in their minds. Like, this was Christ. He can't die. He's the Christ. 
He is God. He, we worship him. He's not, you know, he's going to change everything in the world. They were right in, in the sense that he was going to change everything, but they couldn't understand him dying and coming back to life until after it occurred. So then after all of this, these women come in here and start telling him this crazy story. Uh, John, uh, the best friend of Jesus, as well as Peter, run off and they go check out the tomb. And sure enough, soldiers are out. The rocksmen rolled away and Christ isn't there. An angel appears to them. I can't remember which one it was. And I don't know if it's mentioned, if it's Gabriel, which is usually the messenger of God. Um, you also have Raphael, you have Michael, you have quite a few others. Uh, while, while they're in there talking to the angel, Mary Magdalene is away and Jesus appears to her and uh, tells her, you know, tell my apostles that I'll be in, in, uh, in Galilee. So then they all run back, right? They, the, the two apostles didn't see Jesus, but they all go back and they tell this story. Um, there's other times where like there's two other uh, people who were believers were walking to another place and Jesus was walking with them. Um, they couldn't realize it was him until they, they got inside and they broke bread to eat and then he revealed himself to them and then disappeared. They went back and told the apostles that. And then Jesus shows up to the apostles and he's like, hey, guess who's back? And uh, not only that, way to not believe anybody that uh, told you that I was around. Um, and Thomas, one of the disciples, wasn't there. So, he, you know, they all thought he was a ghost. And he was like, give me something to eat. Ghosts don't eat. You can see I got bones. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm hungry. I just went through some shit. Please give me some food. Um, and so then he disappeared. And then he comes back when Thomas is around. And you know Thomas is sitting over there like, uh, you know what? I don't believe this shit whatsoever. I, don't, I haven't seen him. You think, don't you think he would have he done it when I was around? He was like, you know what? If I see him again, I'm going to ask, like, let me put my, let me, let me see those wounds. Let me stick a finger in there, which is so weird. And, uh, and then Jesus showed himself and he's like, oh shit. Yeah. And then Jesus was like, all right, all right. You want to see them? Here they are. Check out the wounds. Go ahead. Stick a finger in. See what it's like. I died. Now I'm back. You know, you know, Thomas was like, oh fuck. <laughs> oh, I should have believed shit in his pants over there so anyway um that happens and then um he tells him to meet him over in galilee well um oh wait sorry there's a another hold on sorry about that it was a phone call but there are some important things that happened when he showed up to uh see the apostles i think it was the first time after he had rose from the dead uh this is where he gave um the church the ability to forgive sins um, yeah, whatever you, and, and then was it also, it was specifically to forgive sins. And then I think extra was whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you lock, basically locked down on earth will be locked down in heaven. Um, I know that's paraphrasing. And then uh, after he disappeared the second time, um, they went out. They're still kind of disheveled a little bit because of like, or, or at least maybe taken aback uh, before they went to Galilee. And uh, Peter, um, in between this time, was like, you know what? I'm going to go out fishing. 
I'm a fisherman, it's what I do. I'm gonna go out and do this and I'm gonna ponder this. I'm gonna think about this stuff. So he goes out and a couple of the other apostles go out with him. And uh, they fish all night. Can't find, can't, can't get anything into the boat. All of a sudden next morning, um, and there's, I believe two boats, uh, still can't find anything. They're about to go in when all of a sudden the stranger out on the beach, they're like a hundred yards away from the, the shore. The stranger on the shore is like, hey, children, throw your net over on the right side. And so they do. And all of a sudden, there's more fish in the nets than they could hold because the nets almost started uh, ripping apart and they needed both boats to go and pull it into shore. Funny enough, this is how uh, Jesus first met Peter. And I think the sons of Zebedee, which would be John and Andrew. Um, is it John and Andrew? Is Andrew Peter's brother? John and, yeah, so basically John and his brother, the sons of Zebedee. Um, is, but most certainly it was uh, Peter. So this is now the second time that this happened. Somebody says that it's the teacher or it's Jesus. And uh, Thomas jumps in the fucking water and starts swimming towards him. He's so excited. He's got to go see him. Well, <laughs> by the time he makes it up there, the boats meet him and pull in the rest of the fish. And here's Jesus sitting at a charcoal fire. Just chilling. Got some food. And he's like, you hungry? Jesus liked eating food, mind you. Um, they called him a, a glutton and a drunkard. Because uh, he liked eating food and drinking wine. Jesus was cool. He was totally normal. Um, and this is where uh, Jesus talks specifically to Peter. The one that he told was going to... Um, what is it? you're going to deny me three times. And this is now prior to uh, 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 post that happening. And uh, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, do you love me? And, and uh, Peter's like, yeah, you know, I do. And then he asks him again, do you love me? And, and he starts, Oh, the first time he says, do you love me? He says, you know, I do. He says, uh, tend my sheep. And then I think he says something like look after my sheep. And then another time he says something else much like the two. And, um, the third time that he asked Peter, like Peter starts freaking out. He's like, listen, you know, I love you. And, and you know, going through Peter's head is like, okay, I really screwed up. And you know, why is he asking me this? Is he going to punish me? Is he going to, you know, am, am I going to go be thrown into hell? And it, as it turns out, Jesus is like, learn from your mistakes. You know, you, you, you went through this. You didn't make the wrong, the right choice. I told you it was going to happen this way. Now, listen to me. Now you're the head of the church. So, um, and this is where he solidifies, uh, Peter as the head of the church, because I think it was prior to this, that he gave the keys to the kingdom before Jesus had been sacrificed, uh, um, had been crucified. Uh, he'd given, he told Peter, uh, that you are the rock upon which I build my church. And he gave him the keys to the kingdom of heaven, uh, which he didn't give it to his, his best friend, uh, John, because he wanted the the church to go in the direction uh, that it is. Um, not to say that, you know, the, the, he wanted the bad things to happen because I can only imagine it would be a hundred times worse and maybe didn't even, didn't even last, or I assume it would have always lasted, but uh, maybe it would have been a hundred times worse had it been given to John or one of the other apostles. Uh, Christ even prophesied that there would be uh, some major problems within the Catholic Church, but that the gates of hell would never overcome the Catholic Church, which is still what it is today. Although it has been infiltrated by our enemies, 
uh, it still exists and the laws of the Catholic Church have not been changed. As much as, uh, you know, the Pope has said certain things, he's even stated that he wanted to change uh, the Our Father, which is a prayer given given to us directly from Jesus. Uh, guess what didn't happen? He didn't change it because he can't change it. Um, and that's heresy as far as I'm concerned. You fucking start dabbling around and trying to change shit that Jesus specifically said and did. Now we got a serious problem and you've got a serious problem. But as you can see, nothing changed. Um, but we do have some serious problems within the church. Uh, infiltration by people who aren't Catholic. You have not Catholics who are in positions of power within the Catholic Church who have, yes, raped kids, hurt kids, probably killed kids, probably a part of some fucking bullshit um, rituals uh, to the devil. Um, that being said, they still have not overcame the church. Uh, and we as Catholics, and this is what I always call upon with, with Protestants, become Catholic. You're not going to change the Catholic Church from the outside. I promise you. You're not going to do anything to it. You're not going to end it. Um, so why not become a Catholic and help me fucking throw them out? As Catholics, we need to purge the Catholic Church of all of the evil that has, has infiltrated it, including priests, all clergy members, all of the... Not all the clergy members are bad, but all the ones that, that aren't Catholic, that are doing these evil things. We have got to purge them out. You've got to get rid of them. The first thing you got to do is admit that it's happening. There's plenty of Catholics today that are still fucking not even wanting to admit that it's happened. What the fuck? You're not helping. We have got to fucking man up as Catholics, realize that this shit has happened within the church. It doesn't mean that anything that Christ ever taught was bad. It just means that these evil fucking people have made their way on purpose into the Catholic church and have done evil shit. There's too many of them for it to just be some kind of coincidence. And it sure as shit isn't the teachings of the church that has caused anybody to do this shit. These are evil people who, evil people have purposely wanted to infiltrate the church. These are people who have admitted as much throughout history. Communists from Russia have admitted to wanting to infiltrate the Catholic church. And guess what? They've done it. It's not the hardest thing in the world to do either pretend that you're that you're Catholic or you want to you want to convert over to the religion or whatever it may be we've got a plenty of of, of willing people to to want to believe that so it's pretty easy easy to fucking infiltrate the Catholic Church and then move over into one side as long as you're lying and nobody can really tell you'll make your way into it and that's exactly what's happened so anyway so that's that's going on to a tan a tangent so after Jesus shows up on the shore and uh, essentially galvanizes uh, Peter as the new pope of his church, the successor of his church, um, he goes to Galilee. Jesus goes to Galilee. They meet him in Galilee, and he goes up to heaven where he takes uh, his seat uh, on the right hand of God, of uh, God the Father. And a few days later, uh, and this is where we're going to end, a few days later, um, the 11 remaining apostles are still in hiding because uh, the Romans and the Jews want to kill them. Um, they're in hiding in a building where all of a sudden the doors blow open and there's flame. There's just a fucking fire sitting there, not catching anything on fire. Um, and then all of a sudden it starts dispersing itself to the heads of all of the apostles 
who then start talking and yelling in different languages, speaking in tongues, glorifying God. And so this was essentially the Holy Spirit filling uh, their hearts and their minds um, and strengthening them. This was the counselor that Jesus was talking about. This is when the Holy Spirit descended upon um, the remaining 11 in order to give them strength to, um, to grow the church, to start the church. Um, after this, I know I said that was going to be the end, but uh, a short time after this, you have Saul, who is going around um, persecuting Christians, trying to get all Christians and kill them. And many Christians, especially many of the, uh, the remaining 11 um, apostles, uh, were being martyred. That's murdered. They were being tortured and killed in the name of Jesus. Um, sorry, they were... The people doing it weren't doing it in the name of Jesus, but they were certainly certainly, certainly dying for Jesus. And Saul then uh, was blinded one day uh, on his trip to go find... I think it was he was going after Peter. And uh, his donkey was knocked over. The fucking soldiers he was with was knocked over and he was hit with a blinding light. And uh, Jesus talked to him, and um, and he ended up being taken in and, and uh, having to heal up for, I think it was three days, uh, from his blindness. And then he came back, and uh, he had talked to God. He had talked to Jesus, and he converted to Christianity. So there's a lot of, especially in the beginning of the church, there's a lot of Christians who were very skeptical of this guy who had just been out uh, uh, persecuting all Christians and killing them. So, um, you know, that's a pretty incredible story as well, that you have somebody who was arguably the most vehement anti-Christian who then became a Christian, uh, especially with the story that he told. He also wrote about a third of the New Testament books. Um, I don't know if he wrote Acts, but all of the different letters were from uh, Paul, who previously had been known as Saul. Um, and him and Peter didn't meet up that much, but I think they met up a few times and, uh, they were known as the heads of the church. So anyway, um, all of this, uh, the church itself, all of this because of, uh, what Christ, what God came down to do for you and me. It took an innocent, full God, half full man, um, who is innocent of all things, laying down his life for us to save us. And when he died and came back to life on his own, um, by his own will, I know you'll hear people say, oh, some, you know, God raised him. Yeah, he raised himself. Jesus raised himself from death. Um, he crushed death. He, he illegitimized, illegitimized um, sin. I don't know if that, if that makes sense. It makes sense. But he crushed death and gave us our way back to um, to purity, to grace, um, because we couldn't do it on our own. We needed God, who with all things are possible, to do it for us. And that's what happened. And that's Easter. You know, Christmas is great because it talks about the birth of Jesus. Fantastic. I'm not saying that it's not a good holiday. Obviously. Um, you know, it's been, I don't want to say bastardized, uh, from, you know, and it's not just capitalists, it's us as a whole. Um, there's plenty of, there's pr plenty of liberals as much as they don't want to admit it that will, uh, uh, participate in celebrating Christmas and they 
want to. Uh, again, when, when they talk about the Catholic Church stealing things, yeah, what do they do on Christmas? They're trying to change it away from Christmas, but it's still the, the spirit of the celebration, right? Happy holidays instead of uh, instead of Merry Christmas. Yeah, no, no, no. They, uh, they're doing, they're actually trying to steal something and not let us practice it as opposed to the other way around. So anyway, um, Christmas is a great time, you know, um, but Easter is the more important of the holidays. Now, if you, <laughs> I'd like to hear your, your thoughts. Yes, there was a lot more things that happened. I didn't touch on every little thing. I've only been talking for an hour, so, um, but it was a, uh, Easter is the most important holiday to Christians, and we should certainly see it as such. Um, also, when it came to the torturing and uh, killing and, and martyrdom of the 11 apostles, that's the other part because, you know, a massive thing was, um, you know, as I talked about before, the Jews came out um, after the, the soldiers had been knocked out and the, the rock rolled back, which was a rock that, you know, it would have taken quite a few soldiers to roll back, um, not just a, a group of two or three people. Uh, or at least not necessarily. This was more evidence um, in them dying for what they had seen because they weren't, they weren't dying, and people do die because of lies, but they were dying because of what they were saying they witnessed themselves. Peter, John, James, that was the other one, not Andrew. Andrew, our Bartholomew, um, all of the 11 remaining uh, disciples who ended up dying martyrs' deaths, were they were trying to ascertain from them through torturing them. Some who were boiled alive. Some who were skinned alive. Some who were fed to lions, beheaded, crucified upside down like St. Peter. All because the they were being asked, where is the body? And all of them said, they didn't just say where the body wasn't or that they're, you know, whatever. They were saying, no, we ate with him. We saw him after he was crucified. We interacted with him and we watched him rise up to heaven. We saw this ourselves. And then they were, they were martyred, all 11 of them. And plenty of other witnesses after. So, um, I'm now at my destination. I hope you enjoyed the post-Easter episode. Be accountable, be responsible, don't be liberal, and here how's this one. God bless.